joining us on the Society of Publication Designers, Who the F Did That Podcast. I am your host, Natalie Gailuga. On this episode, we talk with two agents who represent some of the most sought-after photographers, glam artists, set designers, and creatives in the photography industry. Greg Lotsky, the Global Managing Director from BNA, where they represent over 150 artists internationally, and Judy Casey, founder and president of Judy Casey, Inc., a boutique agency specializing in the beauty and still life realm. We are going to chat about the business side of photography, growing young photographers, and how to get noticed and signed with an agent. Enjoy. Welcome guys. Thank you so much for joining us today. I want to start off uh, with you, Judy. I would would love for you to tell our listeners a little bit about yourself or anyone who doesn't know. Judy has an amazing agency in New York representing wonderful creatives of photographers and stylists and hair and makeup and everything. So just tell us a little bit about how you started your agency. I started my agency 40 years ago. I was a booker at Elite and a friend told me about being a photo agent. And I was like, what's that? And they said, you go out and you find work for photographers, you represent them. And I went and talked to Brian Bantry at that time who was still being an agent. Um, And I also talked to Arthur Elgort, who was a mutual friend. And I decided that the route to go was to go and end up being a model booker. So I worked at Elite on the Elite board for a year and a half, and then eventually ventured out on my own. And I started in a studio apartment with portfolios that I lugged around New York. I knew where every phone booth was and every restroom that was public, that was clean. (laughs) And those were the days when you walked into an ad agency and met with the art buyer or the art producer and then got to meet creatives. And oftentimes you would walk out with a job. Wow. That's how I started. And then over the years, I just, you know, slowly built, built the business, built my agency. And here I am 40 years later. That's amazing. What a great story. I remember people coming in with those giant books and an agent coming in with like 50 pounds, maybe more of just portfolios and sitting there all afternoon watching them. Yeah. I actually miss those days a lot. Yeah. yeah. I and really I was, do. of course, I had no money. So I was like, you know, taking the subway all the time and lugging right. the books and, you know, but it was a great, it was a great beginning and I, I learned a lot. Amazing. And Greg, you are at BNA Reps. Can you tell me a little bit about your career path? Sure. I've been with the firm for 25 plus years. The firm has been around for 35 plus years. I started out there many years ago as a photography agent and worked my way up to be an executive agent and a partner partner in the firm. But four years ago, I took over as the global managing director. So currently we have an office in New York, we have an office in London, and we have affiliates in Shanghai and Australia. We represent about 155 artists in disciplines of photography, illustration, CGI, animation, uh, street artist, aka mural artist, as well as a small beauty division, which is hair, makeup, styling, and prop styling. That's a lot of people. That's amazing. Wow. 
Well, I'm really excited to have you both on today because I feel like you'll offer very different perspectives from Greg coming from such a large global company and Judy being more of a boutique agency. So I think our listeners are in for a real treat with you both. So I'd like to focus on two different areas with you today. One, talking about the photographer and agent relationship, and then talking about the art buyer, photo editor, agent relationship. So let's kick this off talking about photographers. One thing I know for me as a photo editor, there's this real push to hire young talent. And it's a little hard, not hard, I guess, scary because they are new. They might not have a team yet. They might not know how to act on set, but it is really exciting to have fresh eyes and a fresh take on things. So what is your relationship with young photographers and versus seasoned photographers and, and how do you help guide them and building their teams and whatnot when they do get booked on jobs? Who wants to take that first? I'll go first. I mean, you know, I think the, the the marketplace now, as you already aforementioned, is asking and demanding for younger creatives. And obviously, as agents, it's our responsibility to sort of fulfill that need. You know, last year, we took on 16 new artists across all of our disciplines. And I have to say that 90% of them were young, emerging artists. So there's a lot of responsibility on both sides to look after them and show them the ropes and prepare them for interfacing with um, you and your colleague. But it is it is a current demand in the marketplace for sure. I, I think as far as young photographers go, I think the thing that's most important is that they have to have not, not only the desire, but the ambition. And I think that when you take on a young talent, you know, you do have to give them a lot of guidance. Oftentimes they don't know, understand what they're, you know, what, what it entails, you know, walking on set and having, you know, having a team, being able to interact with the creatives. And I just think that, you know, it is a very important part of the industry now. It is what clients want and editorial and, and I think it's super important, but I think that you have to be very, very selective on who you take. And then you have to really mentor them and guide them all along the way. Whereas with the seasoned, when you have people that have been doing it a long time, you know, there's not that concern. You know, they're going to walk in and they're going to be, they know everything that they need to do. So with a photographer, whether they're young talent or seasoned, if they want to get an agent or change their agent, what is the process and, and how can they get noticed to get their work in front of your eyes and your team's eyes? We're always looking for new artists where artists are coming to us um, either through word of mouth or through we're looking our, our agents are looking on Instagram. So we're, we're constantly looking for new artists and meeting them. We do have a drop off policy in essence of, you know, we have a submission policy. I should correct myself. Nobody drops off portfolios anymore, uh, <laughs> but uh, we do have a submission policy and we do look at each one of those submissions and respond in kind. That's great. And they could find that on your website. Yes. I think that I agree with Greg, you know, we, we have a lot of submissions. We look, we look at Instagram and I think that also too, when we look for talent, we're also, and I'm sure this is the same for Greg, you're looking also to take someone on that you can, you're, when you get a outreach from a client, 
you don't necessarily have, I mean, I think it's different for BNA because they're so such a big organization. You don't have somebody that maybe fits that niche. So you're also looking for someone who is going to fit what maybe you're missing at the moment. You know, it's like food photography has become incredibly important at the moment, more that so than it used to be. At least I, I feel that way. So, you know, you're like, okay, maybe we need to take on a food photographer. Maybe that's an area that we need to expand in. Right. And you wouldn't want to have multiple photographers that are very similar in style and discipline because then they're just competing within your agency. Is that what you mean? Well, I think that also, too, you want to be able to cross sell your talent. I mean, if you represent a group of still life photographers that are beauty focused, you obviously you don't want to take a client away from from one of the other talent, but you do like to be able to because not every deck that you get or every creative project is necessarily right for maybe two still life photographers that you're representing because maybe they only do textures and swipes, whereas right. maybe you want somebody who is more you know, product focus. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. If I can add to that as well, I mean, you know, we're obviously looking for creativity. We're looking for somebody who has some drive and some and some gumption. And to build on what what Judy was saying, yeah, I mean, we have to be ahead of the marketplace and the trends in the marketplace. So, you know, Judy brought up a very good example about food photography and how that is, you know, changed, you know, from sort of the Martha Stewart days to, you know, now things very poppy and very sort of constructed and very colorful and almost has a little bit of a tongue-in-cheek sense of humor about it. And same thing with other categories, whether it's lifestyle or portraiture or whatever. I mean, we're always looking for sort of what is the next, what is the next space of where things are moving. With young photographers, I know personally I get a lot of DMs on Instagram. And when it's my personal Instagram versus my work Instagram, I try to reply as much as I can, but I I don't love it when it's coming through my personal. Greg, how do you feel about that? People not going through the proper submission process and instant messaging you on social media? Well, it's a challenge, right? I mean, because if we're talking about young artists, they're of a certain age, usually, and that's that's what they're used to. So, you know, we have to sort of part of our education is to, to you know, channel people into sort of the correct forms of communication. You know, I had a school group come through yesterday and nobody took notes. So when the teacher admonished them, they all took notes on their phones. And but we talked about, you know, sending proper thank yous and proper things and actually picking up the phone and calling somebody. So 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 yes, it is a little bit of education in terms of, you know, how to chat with somebody when you're trying to reach out to them. So, you know, we do have a business account for our Instagram. So if we get direct messages through that, we are obviously going to respond to them. But as I mentioned before, we do have a sort of a way to submit your work to the agency. And Judy, when people submit through your company's Instagram account, is there someone actively looking at that and replying or? Yes, the my art department, the person who runs my art department answers all of those direct messages. And we also get submission through email and we always answer that person, whether we're interested or not. You know, a lot of young people now, the only way they know how to communicate is through technology. They would never think about picking up the phone. And I do think that even people who aren't younger need to realize that the phone is still a very important part of how we communicate. 
I love when someone calls me. It's memorable now. Yeah, it can't always be a text or an email. So outside of the you know world of Instagram and online submissions, has there been any artist that you found that really sticks out in a unique way that maybe you found not through Instagram, not through an online submission? I mean, over the years, I mean, I, I met an artist in a gallery who they had a piece up on the show and I, I, I rang them afterwards and got in touch with them. There was a time where a guy was in a movie theater waiting for the movie to start and he was looking through a series of photographs and they looked really cool. And I was like, hey, are you a photographer? So yeah, there has been those sort of moments, of course. What a cool story. So when someone comes to you, if they're a younger photographer and maybe they are assisting and thinking about going all out on their own, maybe they're not making enough on their own. So they're still doing assisting gigs. How do you feel like that as an agent? Would you, do you want people to go all in on being a photographer or is it okay to still kind of straddle the line until you are being fully booked? I think you have to be all in. I mean, I don't think you can have your foot in two places. I mean, maybe if you worked for a photographer for a long time and that was the, you were working with them exclusively, if you go out on your own. Yeah. Maybe if, you know, they have a job and they're like, Hey, will you assist or will you digi for me? Yeah. I think I'd be okay with that, but I don't think you can be in two places because the other thing is, is the way work is now. Sometimes it's so last minute. And if you're still assisting, I mean, I don't think it's cool to say, you know, the 24 hours before, hey, I just got a last minute job. I can't show up tomorrow on set. Yeah, that would not be good. And I'll build on that. I mean, you know, I mean, I I agree with Judy, like we want to further their career. This is the prime time. This is ready for the big leagues. So they can't really have foots in each place. And I will venture to say that I wouldn't, if I was a parent and had a young budding artist, I would not send them to school, even though I already forementioned that I had a school in my office yesterday, because I would take that money as a parent and get them to be an apprentice and assistant in a major marketplace if they truly wanted to be a photographer. Right. Get like real on the ground experience. Real on the ground experience. Yes. Yeah. And I think that that also too, if someone, if a young person goes that route, then when they go out, when they start to be a photographer on their own, they have an understanding of what, what it means to be a photographer, what tools you need, how you need to act what's required of you. And I think that it's really just, you have a big picture instead of, you know, coming from a place where you think, oh, this is super easy. You know, I'm just going to walk in and I'm going to take these pictures. You have the tools because you've worked for someone and seen what it takes to be a professional photographer. And that goes back to what we were talking about earlier about sort of the demand or pressure, if you will, of wanting to find younger and younger talent that they're often thrown into the deep end of the pool without their swimmies and they're not prepared. And that stresses them out. It stresses you guys out as purveyors of the creativity. It's a recipe for disaster. It's a we've got to all work together to sort of help, obviously, young artists become further up the ladder, but also have them be prepared as well. Right. And there's nothing better to prepare them than being on set regularly with all different kinds of photographers, all different kinds of clients. The more jobs they can assist on before going on their own, the better. We just to do a shameless plug for SPD is a, a 
maybe I guess it's a month ago now, we did a great talk with photographer Joe Pug, who's part of BNA Reps. And he talked about the importance of assisting. We had some wonderful assistants, assistants turned photographers on that really like did a deep dive onto um, the assisting in modern 2022 life. So I suggest anyone who's out there who is a photographer, who's trying to figure out what they're going to do, if they're going to move on and be their own photographer, or if they're going to stay assisting, you should go back and listen to that. Once the photographer has stopped assisting, they're ready to go out on their own. And they've made connection with one of you through the online submission or the Instagram, they've made contact and you're ready to meet with them. What are, what is the process that a photographer will go through to, from meeting you to getting signed? So, so what we do at BNA is we, we obviously would love to meet people in real life as much as possible, but obviously we can do it over Zoom. And we have a little bit of a three date rule. So the first date, everybody's sort of, you know, showing their best behavior and they're, they're being their best about, you know, the wants and needs, you know, what the talent wants out of their career, what we think we can provide, you know, the service we provide, you know, where the talent wants to go. The second date, we do a little bit of a deeper dive on that, maybe look at more work um, that we haven't seen on the website or on Instagram. We talk a little bit more what our plans could possibly be for them. And the third date, whenever possible, is we like to have a social date, a coffee, a lunch, a dinner. You know, our business is very, very social. It's very interactive. It's still very relationship-based. So we put to make sure that, you know, the artist we're bringing on board doesn't talk with their mouthful or, or curses like a sailor or something. But once they come on board, we do work with an agreement and the agreement basically spells out, you know, what our responsibilities are and what their responsibilities are to our business. Because remember, we're putting two businesses together and how we build from there. Judy, what is it like for your agency? Do you have a similar process? Well, it's a similar process. Absolutely. We like the work we get, you know, we get on an initial call, a Zoom call, talk to that person, you know, get get kind of a vibe from them. And then what we like to do, too, is we like to ask them at that point to send us, usually we do it on the second call. We like them to send us, as Greg said, you know, we want to see all the work. We want to see what they have, you know, what do they have in their archive? Because often there are things in there that you're like, wow, this is really cool. This would be, we, we can start to visualize how we're going to present them and where, where we feel their strengths are. I mean, sometimes people think, oh, I'm really good at this, but they maybe need to work on that a little bit, but they have another section of work that's really strong. And then we also try to talk to them about that and say, okay, I'm using this as an example, somebody who shoots still life and beauty, and maybe their still life is really, really incredible. And their beauty is mm, doesn't quite doesn't quite get there. So we might say to them, you know, look, we see you as a still life photographer. It's not that we're saying you can't do beauty, but that's an area that we need to work on with you. And then if we get pushback on that, then maybe we don't go into the third phase, which is meeting them in person and then, you know, seeing them face to face. 
Also, I mean, to build on that, it's, it's, it's not a test. It's, it's, we spend a lot of time with each other and our talent, right? I mean, we're, right. we're, we're talking, you know, multiple times a day. We're, we're, we're sending them out on, on, on meetings and we're going to shoots together, et cetera. It's a, it's a full relationship. So you want to be able to understand each other fully in those spaces. Completely. And yeah. on my side, I'm going to spend, you know, 12, 14 hours on set with you. Absolutely. Many phone calls, many conversations, just, you want to make sure it's someone that you can just communicate with. Absolutely. Easily. Yeah. You know, I like to say to people too, you know, this is like a marriage. You know, when, when we're going to get together, it's like a marriage. We're going to be in a relationship. So therefore, I want to get, and I think that when you meet somebody in person, you also get kind of their, like, you know, their, as you said, you know, what do they look like? How do they behave? How do they sit? How do they interact with you when you're sitting in front of them? Because you can think somebody's work is absolutely, you know, you're just like, you know, fawning over it. But then you meet with them and you're like, oh, wait a second. <laughs> Not quite sure that I, you know, you get their little quirks, you know, you get right. like a vibe from them. Right. Once someone does pass all of, uh, gets through all of the dates and you're ready to sign them and you sign them, what type of support does the agent, does the photographer get from their agent? Like, are you doing, I know you're trying to get them jobs, you know, and with various clients, but are you also doing their website? Are you doing production? Like, what are the different things that an agent generally covers for a photographer? So for us, we have a 360 type of management program. So um, the agent who signs the talent is sort of the, the mothership to that agent, not only sort of, you know, putting their marketing plan together and selling and negotiating, et cetera, et cetera. But we also have, similar to Judy, a full service art department that helps them with all their branding in terms of our website, announcing them, eblast. Uh, we have a really strong program on our social platforms. We have an IGTV program where it launches all of the talent and it's sort of really who they are and what their process is, similar to we're very strong on LinkedIn, et cetera, et cetera. So they, they get a lot of support in that space. One thing that we're a little bit different from some of the other agencies is that we do not produce for our artists. So we vendor that out to a third party with uh, production companies or independent producers that we feel confident with and, and match them to the appropriate job and the appropriate artist. It's not to say we don't get somebody an assistant or get a coffee delivered or something of that sort, but we're not sort of handling that on a regular basis. But we do provide a lot of support to them, you know, in-house, we have in-house legal. So they're getting a sort of a multi-level support system. And Judy, what about with your agency? Is it similar? It's similar. I mean, we're not as, you know, I mean, as I said, BNA is such a much bigger organization and we're just a little boutique. But yes, we create the website, we do the branding, we start with sending out an announcement and we just continue to build on the marketing and we work directly with the artist. I mean, I also, and I think that we talked about this last week, is that the one thing that we're very, and I'm, I think that, Greg, it's the same for you, is that if the photographer doesn't have their own website, we like to say to them, if you want your own website, go for it. If you have your website, you can put any work on there you feel that you're, you love and represent, represent the work. When it comes to our website, 
It's how we feel you should be marketed. And it may not, and we may tweak it as we go along. You know, sometimes something works, it doesn't work. But we, the artists basically, we are the ones putting out how we feel or how you should be presented to the market. So therefore it can't be, well, I don't really, I don't like the way, I don't like those three pictures. Well, you know what, then get your own website. <laughs> put those three pictures on there. I don't know. Do you do the same thing at BNA? Yeah, yeah, I agree. I mean, you know, listen, the, the website is a store, right? It's a shop. And so so I agree with Judy that, you know, our site is promoting the artists to the marketplace in the areas that they want to be in and that we can confidently get them in. And so I think, Natalie, you, you know, from your side, you might enter our website first, but then you're going to split from there and go to the artist's Instagram to get a deeper enrichment of the work that they do. And then you're going to tag, you know, toggle to their website as well, which should also show a similar type of vein, but different at the same time, so that you're getting a full enrichment of what that talent could possibly do for you. Exactly. I'm definitely going to all of those places. And I do kind of rely on the agent website to be the easiest navigate or the more specific. If I really want to see male celebrity photographer portraits, I want to be able to get to that quickly. And with photographers, personal sites, they're just not easy to navigate. They try to make them pretty and quirky and frankly complicated. And just, I, I really like most agencies have a little more of an organized structure. So right. I, oh, I usually start with the agency. And then one thing that drives me crazy on photographers, personal websites is the contact information. I think every photographer, if they have an agent on the contact page, it should have the agent's contact. And it could have those too. Sometimes there's no contact or no find me here. And if I have to spend, you know, more than like, I don't know, 45 seconds trying to find you, I'm probably moving on because it just, it shouldn't be that complicated to figure out how to contact someone. I totally agree. I mean, whenever I have students coming in, like I said yesterday, I mean, that's one of the first things I say to them, like, you got to make it easy. You got to make it easy to look for your work and find it. You know, we're, we're, we're it's like a, let's, you know, look, if you're looking for celebrity portraiture, I always sort of have the, the store metaphor. Like if I'm going to the store and I need socks, I need to know where the socks are. Otherwise I'm out, I'm out of the store. And so I think photographers need to think of the similar type of way that, you know, that you got, you got to be able to find find your work and easily navigate it through. Right. I couldn't agree more. I love that store metaphor. That's perfect. That's such a great metaphor. (laughs) You kind of explain like the broader scope of the agent photographer relationship. What is the day-to-day interaction? What could the photographer expect daily or weekly from their agent? As Judy said before, I mean, it's like a marriage, you know, I always say we can only give a hundred percent of our 50% and that's what we expect out of our talent. So everybody's working for the common goal here. So it, I think it depends on the marketplace. Like sometimes, you know, Natalie, on your side, you want to have a personal relationship with the talent and it's less about us as agents. Where areas, if we're, if we're doing a major ad campaign, you know, with a major agency, it's really more about us and less about the artist until we get to the creative part. 
you know, it's a constant sort of balance of everybody doing what they need to do to get to that goal. You know, I know that some agents are much more formal about this relationship where they meet on a quarterly basis and discuss their goals and blah, blah, blah. But I mean, sure, we know what our goals are, but it's much more organic because we're talking to our artists every single day, you know, and they're talking to us every single day. I mean, they might have gotten a bead on a situation and they're going to let us know about it or vice versa, or they're working on a personal project. We're going to help them with that about how they can make that better, what kind of contacts we can actually help them with to make it even larger project. So it's a constant, constant communication in that aspect. Mm -hmm. Yes, I, I agree on all those points. I mean, we we try to talk to, I mean, we pretty much talk to everybody every day. I mean, if somebody's on set, it becomes a little bit more, you know, a little bit more difficult because you either have to catch them at lunchtime or at, at the end of the day. But we pretty much talk to everybody every day and we give them, you know, support, direction, talk about, as Rick Greg said, about personal projects. And we update them with their calendars on a daily basis. And once we have creative, if we're bidding on a job and we've been awarded or prior to, we bring them in to look at the creative, weigh in on what they think their needs are. And then once it's we get awarded, then of course the whole process starts of getting on the getting the photographer on the call and the and stylist and whoever. And then we are the ones that take over. Whereas when it's editorial, we do like the photographer to have the contact with you. Because I think that that's really, that's important that they have contact with you because it is a much more, you know, you're shooting a portrait of somebody or you're, you know, it's much more personal in a sense. Mm -hmm. It's more personal and it's a little more fluid where it doesn't have to be as structured with an ad job where it's like, these are the shots and these are the poses and don't vary from this. Like, I want to talk to the photographer every day or almost every day leading up and coming up with the whole idea, the color palette and the style of the clothing and just what it's going to look like and how it's going to feel and the lighting. And that's my favorite part is, is the creative. But I do really like when um, photographers have agents because it does help to be able to go to you guys for the business part of it. So when someone wants, you know, five backdrops, but we can only afford one, like it's not fun to have those to be the Debbie Downer with mm. the creative. And it's a lot easier to be like, well, Greg, can you explain <laughs> that this is how much money we have? And so we just have to rein it in. So it's, and also sometimes with like how much time we're going to have, a photographer might be, you know, a little uh, salty of that we're going to have, we have all these asks and we only have an hour. Um, so it's just helpful to have that business person as a buffer to help navigate those you know, sometimes uncomfortable situations and just keep my relationship with the photographer more on the creative and the problem solving part of it, the fun part. So before we move into talking about your relationships with art buyers and photo editors, is there anything else you want to say about photographers, any tips or guidance or anything before we pivot to a new topic? Other than don't go to art school. Right. I think that what I, I'd like to say is, is that once you, if you're a photographer and you have an agent and you get signed with an agency, that does not mean that you can just kind of stand still and expect the agent to do all the heavy lifting. You need to be an active participant in the process. And you also need to be 
creating content. You just can't sit back and say, well, I have this body of work. So now how come I'm not working? You know, I have all these great photographs, you know, all these great images. And they also too, what Greg was saying earlier is that we all have to be ahead of the market of the trend. And I think that it's really important for photographers to be looking. I mean, I know a lot of photographers, like I don't want to look at anybody's anybody else's work. I get that on one hand, but on the other hand, you need to be aware of what your competition or the people who are your, who you admire, what mm-hmm. they're doing. And you just can't think that now I have an agent. I don't need to, I can just sit and wait, wait for the phone to ring. That's a great point. I think a lot of people out there think once I have an agent, I'm just going to sit and wait for the phone to ring for my agent to call me. No, doesn't work. Now you have to really be an active participant and you have to be thinking about it and you have to be working with a long, you have to be a team player. You have to be, as I said earlier, it's a marriage. You got to work at it. Absolutely. That's a really great tip. Yeah, yeah. I couldn't agree more. And and it's all about expectations, right? And what are expectations but premeditated disappointments? Right. So 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 you know, I mean, we have to we have to work together to to sort of to help you succeed. So we're in this together in that aspect. And we have a responsibility as agents and you have a responsibility as a talent and and we're in this together for the common goal. I agree. Just to go back to what we were talking about, you know, when you meet with a photographer if you're thinking about representing them. I think that what Greg just said is that you also have to, you have to really wrap your head around is, is this photographer's expectations, are their expectations realistic? And if they're somebody who feels like, oh, I should be doing, you know, Italian Vogue, or I should be doing a major campaign. To me, that's a warning signal. Mm-hmm. It's like you're you yes well that's what we're going to aim for, but you're not you're not even there yet, and you're gonna right. up you're gonna have to put in a lot of work to get there, right? And I agree with that. It's again those those are the questions like you know the 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 classic interview questions. Where do you see yourself in three or five years? But we have to work together of how to get to those things. And to be realistic about it, you know, as I said before, I mean, that's an organic conversation that happens all the time. You know, it's not necessarily like, okay, you put it in stone and in three years, we're going to get here because the marketplace changes and the needs change and creativity changes. And so it's got to be a constant, constant wheel that's churning. And it's a relationship between ourselves and the artist and you guys as well in terms of clients as well. Yeah. And we all want it we're all on the same team at the end of the day. We all want the photo shoot to turn out amazing. So we all really have to work together to make that happen. I always say it's sort of like this, like, it's like this weird symphony that we try and put together, you know, like, like, you know, there's the percussion session and there's the, the, the string session and whatever. And like, you know, and then suddenly we come to, we come together on one shoot day and everyone's expected to play their part. And it's supposed to be like, like beautiful music as if we've been practicing for months on end. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. And for the most part, it happens, right? For the most part, like, yeah. we come out with great successes and the histories of, you know, amazing, amazing imagery, you know? Yeah. No matter what's thrown at us at the end of the day, it pretty much always works out, yes. which is great. 
So let's talk a little bit about the relationship of the agents with the other side, with the art buyers and the photo editors. What does that look like now in, you know, the post pandemic or end of hopefully end of pandemic in 2022? I think that, you know, again, it's all about relationships. I mean, and not um, from your side, you know, getting the pressure or the need to look for younger and younger talent. I understand from the corporate side that they're they're getting the pressure to to keep the bottom do- the bottom line as profitable as possible. And there's a lot of folks who are in the position of buying who don't understand what the process is and are not capable because of training or lack of training, you know, I mean, if I'd be vulgar about it, it's like, Hey, give somebody a phone on a computer and have at it. Um, So there's not an education about usage, about time. Um, I think sometimes artists feel that there's a lack of respect of what they do and what they're, what they're part of the process is um, that they almost feel like vendors um, and so um, it's a it's an interesting time, and some of us folks have been doing it for a longer time. We've got to sort of build those bridges in those spaces. So I know that Judy can support me here. That like we spend a lot of time educating uh, buyers about you know not folks like you, Natalie, or with all due respect, but educating buyers in terms of you know the who, what, where, why's, and whens. You know what what is that going to cost? How long is that going to take? It's impossible to do fifty shots in an hour you know, et cetera, et cetera. It's hard because even an editorial or I guess specifically an editorial, there's less and less magazines. The budgets are going down. I empathize with that, um, you know, because we're the, we hear that. I think probably what we need to focus on is thinking about transparency in that space so that everybody can sort of come up with a creative solution. Right. So it's not a sort of like, you know, ceiling down, floor up type of squeeze. Right. And coming to the photographer with that from the get-go. Yes. Like, these are all the things we need to accomplish. Let's figure out the best way to do it, as opposed to when they just add it on, you know, every day adding on more things to something you already agreed upon. I think I'm not, not to beat up on the process because we're all in this together, but I think what happens is there's a donut hole in that space because the person on the other end of the line is basically passing their cup of dirty water to us to be the solution providers without understanding really what is in that process. And of course, everyone has the same common goal of making a great picture. Right. I totally agree with all those, uh, everything that you both said. And I do think that there is a, there is this expectation on client part that the photographer, and I do think that photographers often feel like they're just a vendor. I'm just there like clicking the camera. There's no, haven't been able to really weigh in on creative. They say they want my creative, but then they send me a layout and we get on a call and that's exactly what they want to capture. I just think that there's there's a lack of, uh, yeah, There's we need more transparency because it's really frustrating when someone reaches out to you and asks you, you know, is so-and-so available and what's their rate? And that's all the information you get. And then you, you know, you respond to them and then you basically get ghosted. Yeah. And I think that at, you know, art buyers at ad agencies, I, I, I do feel for them sometimes because I don't think that they've been given the information. And I think that they're the client, you know, the, the account person and the client are really the ones driving the, the actual 
you know, creative. And I'm sure, Greg, you've been in this position where there's like six people on the creative team and you're like, well, who, who's, who's driving this? You know, which person is really, are we, which art director are we really dealing with? Or is this like, we're dealing with six people and six people have an opinion? Like whose vision is it? Yeah. Whose vision? I've been freelancing since I left Entertainment Weekly in 2019. And so one of the great things about freelancing is I've gotten the opportunity to be on both sides. And most of my experience comes from editorial. So I was very like, you know, up to speed on how that worked. And I was really surprised when I did some advertising jobs and some entertainment space jobs um, of how it's not nearly as creative as editorial, even though, you know, that's where the money is and that's where, you know, the photographers are really going to like make the payday and it's not editorial at all. It was so uninspired and everything was figured out in a sketch. Whereas I'm used to, you know, we go in with a game plan and like the broad strokes of what it's going to look like, but so much happens in the moment when you're with the model or the talent when they're in the clothes, when you have like the energy of the set, so much comes alive. And I felt not as fulfilled going into those sets as I do editorially. So I'm curious, how do your photographers, like, are they still, is there still the importance of shooting editorial or are they really focused on advertising and and entertainment because there's no money in editorial? At the risk of, you know, the community here, I mean, it used to be, and I don't want to be like, oh, I used to walk to school on my bare feet in the snow type of thing, but it used to be that we would have a very healthy dose with our talent with editorial because that beget other things. It gave you opportunities. There was sort of, if some opportunities were not as grand as others, it was sort of, could you know, could be seen as a, as a paid test, if you will. Um, but each thing added to the portfolio, which then got you to the other place. So if you had a healthy dose of editorial and let's say, you know, catalog retail type of stuff, which, you know, kept the coffers going and the fires burning, and then that led you to a healthy dose of some advertising stuff, but that doesn't work anymore because there isn't the space for the editorial in that space. If you're doing editorial now, it's an all-in type budget. Photographers are generally losing money on those prospects or they're pulling money out of their pocket to actually make the creative happen. And there's just not a lot of spaces in that landscape. So it's different, of course, in the fashion business. I mean, then you still have to do that in order to get to the next step. But there isn't the vehicle for that. The vehicle now is sort of moved into this digital, quote unquote, landscape, which, you know, does give them an opportunity, the talent, an opportunity to be more creative, if you will, and at least get a little bit of a paycheck. And when you say the digital space, are you talking like shooting like social media campaigns or shooting not shooting like editorial digital covers. Yeah, that's like so a social media. Thing. Yeah, yeah, it's a broad swath in there. It is, it is the digital thing. It's not necessarily for social media because listen, our traditional areas have have gone away, right? So there isn't the magazines. So there's not the space in the magazines for these big global campaigns. There's not the space for billboards because people are not really looking at stuff like that or newspapers. So um, it's all in the digital space. So those budgets have flattened out. And they're not in a traditional advertising agency either anymore. So traditional advertising agency, you know, from the Mad Men days, they had a campaign that they did everything about. They did the art buying. They did the um, 
the media buying, they did the creative, they did the TV. Now that stuff is splintered on many, many different uh, companies, whether it be a PR firm or digital firm or advertising agency who's got a one-off project or clients are doing that in-house. So those budgets have flattened out across the world. And the photographers who are still doing editorial and maybe, you know, it's coming out of their pocket, they're still doing it because they love the art form of editorial, right? Like they love that they get to be so free and and have fun because we do still have magazines. Yeah, yeah, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not being a total Debbie Downer. I'm not being a total Debbie Downer. So yes, I laid out what we, what it used to be, and that landscape yes. changed dramatically. Right. And does that mean when you're looking at photographers now and who to sign, are you looking for people who can do both photography and motion, or is someone who's still only doing still photography still? you know, going to find a home. 100%, they have to have both things in their toolkit. If you're a budding photographer today or a young photographer and you do not have some kind of motion component in your toolkit, the world is going to pass you by. Totally agree on that point. You have to have that component because everybody asks for it. And it's another level of your creativity. I mean, it's another way of thinking about it. It's different from stills. You know, motion is a 360 environment. Um, So it's not just like the things we used to do about, quote unquote, behind the scenes making of a photo shoot or even fashion people still do like girl running down the beach or getting in and out of the car and getting her (laughs) hair and makeup done. You know, you've got to make that your set come to life in a 360 world, which is sometimes hard for photographers to think about. I mean, but it's a skill, a skill set that has to be honed and has to be in their toolkit for sure. Right. Well, that's good to know you guys are looking at that too, because I know that's something, you know, as a, as a photo editor, we're always looking for, because anyone who can produce some unique asset that we can put on the internet to stand out from just the still covers and the still photography, it definitely is a bonus and who we're looking to hire. So is there anything else? I feel like we've covered so much today. Is there anything else you want to say about being photo agents in uh, 2022? I have nothing to say. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, listen, I don't know if I can be eloquent about this, but I mean, it's still, what we do is still exciting, right? I mean, it's still, it's, you know, we're creating this amazing imagery with lots of creative people, you know, look, I mean, sometimes we have to be sort of serious about it in essence. I mean, we're not saving babies, what we do, right? I mean, but, you know, we are part of this massive global media environment with imagery and imagery is everywhere these days. And it's just, it's not going to go away. And there's lots and lots of opportunities for creatives to come in many different aspects. You know, whether you be a photographer or a CGI artist or illustrator or stylist or whatever, I mean, that is so prevalent part of our, our culture these days. And so I'm still excited to be part of that arena and meet new talent and create cool things. Me too. We're very, very fortunate to be in such a fun industry. Thank you so much. It was great chatting with you both today. Um, I think our listeners um, will have learned a lot hearing um, everything from, from you both from the business side. This was wonderful. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you. Bye. Bye now. Thank you for listening to Who the F Did That, our photo agents episode. Now head over to our website, spd.org, to check out our upcoming events. We have a full lineup of speakers coming up, as well as our illustrators review this summer and our photography review this fall. 
Slots in both of these events are a hot commodity, so be sure to sign up early. Also, have an open position in your department? Submit the job posting to the SPD Job Board to find the most talented candidates. Thank you for listening. Goodbye.